Hello and welcome to a special interview episode of Adult Music. This is actually interview Finally. four. Yeah, it's been a long time, Mike. It's been a long time. Glad to be back in the interviewing chair. And uh, this is a result of our recent episode, episode 64, Menage a Trio, where we featured all yep. you know, groups of uh, three in classical and jazz. And on there, an outstanding recording we both really fell in love with uh, right away, was the recording called Safe Place by the Yako Organ Trio. And as usual, mm -hmm. Mike had to have the CD right away. <laughs> so he went... Yeah, there, there was. Yeah, he went looking <laughs> for it, and he actually got a signed copy from uh, Yako. Isn't that right? Well, actually, actually, he didn't sign it. He he sent a note with it that he signed, but he didn't oh, actually okay. sign the CD, which is fine. I, I kind of like them clean, but, you know. Uh, anyway, Mike invited him uh, on for an interview, and he was happy to come on and uh, tell us all about uh, his background coming up as a guitar player in Greece and now active in Germany. We've got some insight into yeah. the music scene in Greece, and also... We got the genesis for all of the cool tunes, uh, original and uh, cover selections for his recording. Yeah, you could say we had a menage a trio ourselves, if you choose. <laughs> so uh, this is going to complete our special edition of Greek Week here on Adult Music. Yeah, I feel like I'm in college again. Yeah, Greek Week. <laughs> if you haven't listened to this recording, uh, you may want to check it out first. Uh, just go back to uh, episode 64. I'll check out the uh, link that I'll put in the uh, description here. And then kick back and uh, enjoy our interview with Yakovos Simonides. Yakovos, thanks for taking the time to join us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. Yeah, I um, yeah. Got, got in touch with... Uh... <laughs> Yakovos, can, can we call you Yako? Because the the Yako, yeah, Yako is like the, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yako is my nickname. Let's say here, that's how people call me here, like my yeah. friends and stuff, and, and other that, musicians. Yeah, that's how you've been signing your your email, I, which I received from you because I actually bought the CD, which I have right here. It's just nice to have. <laughs> yeah, for a sure. CD <laughs> in my hand. Okay, I just yeah. love CDs. This one came by itself. It didn't come in the uh, the dump truck that. Uh, <laughs> Dropped the last load <laughs> off at my house. <laughs> so how we so, found yeah, you? Yeah, uh, pleased to have that. Yako is, um, you know, one of the things uh, I wanted to do with our podcast is, um, as we were just talking before, you know, streaming versus CDs. Uh, the great thing of streaming is you have access to all this music, uh, everything around the world. But where do you start? It's kind of intimidating. Um, and that's, that's right. a lot of people just end up listening to the same thing that other people listen to and the recommendations aren't that great. So I built up a bank of, uh, links that have international releases and I check them every day. And, um, so I saw, you know, your release on there. And one of the things, uh, Mike and I both love are, uh, organ trios. So I saw, Oh, yeah. All right. Organ trio. I, I love them too. Yeah. So yeah. it's three of us. And I said, oh, and from Greece. I said, well, this, that's cool. And then when I looked at um, the mix of tunes, uh, which we'll get to later, I said, oh, I, this definitely goes on the to listen list. And um, yeah, when I put that down there and I said, oh, yeah, when, once I heard it, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm hooked. So <laughs> this is going to definitely go on a, right. an episode coming yeah. up. Yeah. So. Right. Thank you very much. Yeah. Sure. I should let listeners know Russ has an aesthetic for. Um, choosing uh, jazz albums, which um, which you met actually, Jacopo. So, <laughs> congratulations! All right, yeah. I mean, I'm more than happy actually that you know people like what we're doing, what I'm doing, and you know, actually from you know, you're actually in Japan, 
but you're like from the States, so it's like, you know, a global like idea, right? I'm from Greece, I live in Berlin. Yeah. 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 Music connects us together. Kind exactly. Of. That's where the 21st century finds us. Yeah. That's the wonder of everything that's going yeah. on. Um, so let's go back <laughs> to the beginning. Uh, let us know, how did you, uh, you know, start out in music? Was guitar your first instrument? And you're originally born in Athens, is that right? Yeah, so um, I was born in Athens, and basically I started playing the guitar when I was 10 years old, around this time. So, like, my family is not really like a musical family or anything. Like, you know, my parents don't really play an instrument, or to be honest, they don't really have, like, you know, such a huge interest in music. Right. They're, you know, just, let's say, passive listeners, listening what's on the radio and stuff. <laughs> that's, but, that's like uh, both of our families. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and yeah, the thing is, like, I have an older brother and a twin sister, actually. So we're like three. Mm. And yeah, you know, it's like this thing that your parents are, let's say, positive in, you know, either kids learning an instrument. Mm -hmm. So my brother, who is older, started playing the electric bass when he was like a teenager and stuff and hanging with his friends, you know, kind of you know having some groups and stuff so you know i was yeah like the younger brother kind of like oh these guys are cool how can i also be cool you know so i was like yeah maybe i should learn the guitar you know and maybe in the end be cool and hang with the older ones you know right yeah. so that's how it started and basically i started get taking uh, classical guitar lessons from mm -hmm. my first teacher like a local teacher in this region in athens that i yeah, I grew up. It's called Alimos. Basically, mm -hmm. it's like a place close to the close to the beach in Athens. Yeah, so basically, I started learning the classical guitar and practicing the classical repertoire and everything. You know, like this Segovia like, right, right. vibe. Yeah. And basically, I did that for almost like thirteen years in the end. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't expect that to happen, but yeah, I mean. I graduated from the National Conservatory in Athens, like with a solid diploma in classical guitar, playing Villa Lobos and Bach suites and you right. know all that stuff. But also on the same time, I was playing like electric guitar with different bands and you know just kind of getting some, let's say, more like semi-professional experience, mm -hmm. playing more like rock, blues, this kind yeah. of stuff. And one day, basically from classical guitar, I there was this classical guitar player who actually passed away some years ago, Roland Dienz, who is from France, which was like one of my favorite guitar classical guitar players. Mm -hmm. And I had also a master class with him when I was like 13 or something. Anyway, he made an album where he played actually just standards, but on classical guitar. And basically, there weren't really like improvisation, but like rearranged everything, you know? But mm -hmm. it sounded cool to me. I was like, oh, man, that sounds so cool. And I started like learning his these songs from this album because the seed music was available, so I could read everything and practice it and stuff like that. And then, you know, by research and stuff, I went to Joe Pass. I was like, oh, this guy is cool. You know, plays solo guitar with fingers like I mostly was doing. And I was like, okay, so let's see how can I do that by myself. And... Yeah, I, like, basically, I remember I printed the chart of all the things you are. Right, and I was right. like, oh, what's going on here? You know, like, what what should I do with all these chords and stuff? It's not like, you know, like a rock tune where it's like one key, like one tone center. It's like I have to basically navigate the changes. 
how how can I do that? You know. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, that's how I started with jazz guitar. I went to a really acclaimed uh, jazz guitar teacher in Greece and jazz guitar player, one of the older generation people who actually created the jazz in Greece that we know today. His name is Panagiotis Samaras, mm-hmm. or people call him Yotis. Okay. That's like his nickname, like Yako, Yotis, kind right, of like, like his you. idea. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I started like having lessons with him. And then after a couple of years, I went to the Netherlands and like studied that from the university at the Prince Class Conservatorium in Groningen, the Netherlands. Okay. And that's kind of it. Yeah, I just want to say Joe Pass is quite a high bar for a guitar <laughs> player. He's really, for sure. he was really an incredible player. Um, would you call him an influence? Do you have any uh, influences as a as a jazz guitarist? Yeah, uh, so I definitely do. I think Joe Pass was like one of the people who like really got my attention. But I wouldn't say that he's like. I mean, of course, he's one of the greats, and like, yeah, he's still my favorite. But I would say the ones that are really like. Let's say, you know, I got many and I would call them really my influences are like Grand Green oh, and right. Kenny uh-huh. Barrell. Yeah, because Kenny Barrell's great. Actually, in, in, back in that day, I started like, you know, my jazz, like, let's say, research. And I found like a CD. Yeah, it was a CD. Right. In some kind of pawn shop or something in Athens. And this was like Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith, the Jimmy Smith album with Kenny Barrell that, uh, oh, that's, that's called this one. Yeah, I, I don't remember like the name, but it was one of these albums where it's like they actually play also with Stanley Turrentine, they just play, all of them are blues tunes. Yeah. And they just, and I was like, oh man, this sound, this this is what I want to do, you know, like that's that's it, you know? And that's right. the start, the, that started the love of organ too, also. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah, Jimmy Smith. And, um, Kenny Burrell had that kind of classical ability too. You know, he would yeah. mix in sort of Spanish kind of ideas that made his style unique. Yeah, that's true. He also like, uh, as far as I yeah, know, he studied classical guitar back in the day. He like has a degree in right. classical guitar. Yeah, and actually he plays a nylon string guitar on "What a Wonderful World" by Louis Armstrong. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, he plays there the nylon string guitar. He plays in many recordings that we don't really know. Mm. One of the things I, w- I wanted to ask you, but I think you've already answered it, because um, when I when I watched the uh, video from your new release and I, and I watched you play with the trio, one of the things that I noticed about your playing, this guy plays so relaxed with almost no visible tension in his, um, you know, hands and body. And, and um, yeah. so I... I was originally a trumpet player and I picked up guitar okay. later in life. And um, I told myself, you know, well, I want to just play guitar for fun. And I've tried to pick up, you know, just from play, you know, players better than me and pick up techniques. So one of the things I've always had a problem with is, um, you know, and when you play trumpet, you have a, a certain amount of tension with the air pressure and uh, you see, you know, trumpet players straining. And I, I tend to uh, bring too much of that to the guitar. Like I squeeze it too much and I feel like I'm gripping it. Uh, and right. I noticed when I watched your playing, you, you're like uh, so smooth and uh, your hands look so free of tension. I said, wow, this guy's really smooth in his playing. And But now that I wow, okay. know you, you come from a classical background, I'm sure that was a big part of your training, uh, you know, coming up with the technique. So... Yeah, to be honest, I 
Yeah, so that's something like many times I think of myself and also I talk about that with my students and their parents sometimes when they're kids. It's like, you know, many times kids want to start with electric guitar, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's right. kind of the education thing, but anyway. So I realized that actually it's a good idea to spend a couple of years on the acoustic guitar, you know? Sure. I think right. you can only benefit from that. It doesn't really right. get any away, anything away, to be honest. In right. terms of producing the sound, understanding that actually, you know, no matter how many knobs or pedals or whatever you have, in the end, you have your hands have to create the sound, you know. And right. I think in the acoustic guitar, if it's nylon string or steel string, it doesn't really matter. You have to do that, and you learn that, and right. it's something that always follows you, whatever yeah. you want to play. Yeah, and you get a sense of that, you know, with uh, acoustic guitar. And, you know, especially like classical, you, it leans into your body and you feel that resonance and you get a appreciation for the production of the sound. And, um, you know, that's, you know, that's all, really true. all acoustic and you, you feel it in, in your body. And it's exactly. a wonderful feeling. Exactly. You don't get that from a, an electric instrument. No. And also, I think you also realize how important the positioning of the instrument is when you play acoustic guitar, because, you know, like sometimes you have this idea, okay, like electric guitar, you know, you see Metallica with the guitar really low and stuff, <laughs> and you want to do that. But then that doesn't really help you. But, you know, if you see actually Wes Montgomery playing on videos and stuff, basically the posture of the guitar is how a classical guitar player would have it. Yeah. If you really think about it. Mm -hmm. It's like the guitar is up, the, the neck is up. It's kind of like the same idea as a classical guitar player, because right. that's like how your hands are more like free and you don't have to stress your body as you were like saying yeah, before yeah i think this posture actually is like the the best you can play guitar you know like this right. kind of classical guitar posture which on electric guitar you can either have a footrest or you can do it with a strap you know like right. that's why i'm doing it like i have the, the strap really high so the guitar is always on the same position mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. wow so when you're coming up and then playing some jazz in uh, Athens. Uh, what's the jazz scene like uh, in Greece? And I would assume it's centered around Athens. And then n now you're in you're in Germany. So, how do you feel the difference between those worlds in terms of uh, you know performing jazz and the and the sort of climate and uh, community of musicians? Yeah. So uh, the thing is, like in Greece, let's say I think the biggest difference is like. Basically, when all the legends like, you know, Chet Baker, Ella Fitzgerald, Sarah Vaughan were touring Europe, they weren't really like visiting Greece and Athens. Mm -hmm. And that was happening because you, this was happening during the 60s, usually or like early 70s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And basically during that time, Greece had a dictatorship. Right. So yeah. like, you know, the the minds, let's say, weren't really open in having, <laughs> you know, musicians from abroad and having jazz musicians or anything. Basically, during the dictatorship, a Rolling Stones concert took place in Athens, which after two songs, the police broke. You know, it's like <laughs> the police came in and like beating people and stuff. So I think that basically had an effect in, let's say, the fact that in uh, Greece, an audience for jazz wasn't really created. Whereas in Europe, in Germany, in the Netherlands, in Italy, like there are people, like older people than me, like, you know, in their 50s and 60s, who actually really love jazz and have been to jazz concerts 
from the legends even not like from just a local player or whatever but from Louis Armstrong mm. or from you know Joe Pass and stuff right. that really creates an audience and really makes it different I think right. and I think you know Greece is like kind of like the sleeping giant who now nah, kind of breaks up you know right because the thing is like from let's say 2000 or something right there are like so many new bands and new musicians which huh. To be honest, most of them come from the Corfu University. It's like the musical department in Corfu in uh, Greece. It's like mm-hmm. Corfu is an island, right? Right. So that's like the jazz department in Greece. It's there. Mm-hmm. And there are so many great musicians coming from this school, which create bands and projects and they play with people, you know, from, with all, from all the generations or blah, blah. And this has created like a totally new scene and so many good musicians, you know? Right. It's obviously yeah. for me, I was also, even though I didn't study there, I had have many friends who were like there and basically I'm influenced from that too, you know? Mm. That's really important to the Greek scene. I want to ask you, are the are the audiences uh, very, is there a, a big audience for jazz in Greece or are you do you find that there's a bigger audience in Europe these days? I think, yeah, that's the thing. In Greece, not really, and especially because mainly everything is happening in Athens. Uh-huh. Like mainly, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the thing is, like, let's say in Greece, younger people are more into listening to jazz. Oh, good. But let's say a thing abroad, older people are more into listening to jazz, kind of. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of, or let's right. say, all the generations. But in Greece, the older people, like, let's say, my parents' generation, or like in their sixties, they're like, jazz. What is that? You know, why my kid is <laughs> playing this Ella Fitzgerald? Well, what is that? You know, what right. happened to him? You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this idea that, that was what our parents parents were like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's wrong with my kid <laughs> yeah. there might be a new crop of uh, young musicians in this generation that uh, you know jazz will have a kind of blooming future with the next generation in Greece that would be uh, something I think to look so. forward to yeah but the most important thing is also you know like that little by little more and more clubs are create, are being created in Athens and Greece in general because you know, if you don't have clubs to host the music, yeah. then you don't have a scene. You don't have music, you know. Right. And I think during COVID, we really realized that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. To be yeah. You must miss uh, Greece being in, in Germany. I've, I've been to Athens a couple of times, and uh, I would miss. They're the very food different places. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah exactly. I mean, yeah, that's for sure. Was you know, like Greece is like you know, it's a great country to be in. Always, I have a great time there. To be yeah. honest, that's why I, after living in the Netherlands for four years, that's why I picked to live in Berlin because I feel like there are some similarities in the cities, like Athens and Berlin. They kind of mm-hmm. have some similarities, at least to my understanding. And right. I feel here that's closer to home, you know, right. than in the Netherlands when I was living there. Right. Right. So we've got something else to do when we go to Athens next time. We can yeah. go to a jazz club. Yeah, I want to yeah, check it out. For sure. Wait. Yeah, I'll have yeah. to check that out. I mean, yeah. Maybe you'll be like uh, happily surprised, you know? Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> yeah. I will. That'd be great. So yeah. for this um, new recording, the Safe Place, you you went back to Athens to do that with uh, other Greek musicians. How did that uh, kind of uh, form together from what you're doing in Germany to go back and get this project started? Yeah. So the thing is, like, uh, even before I moved to Berlin, I was I started playing with this organ player, Yorgos Kodrafouris who basically is a professor at the Ionian University that I mentioned before. 
He's a professor there of common organ and piano. And yeah, we started playing together. I just, you know, called him one day. I was like, hey, I'm Yakovos and I'm studying in the Netherlands. And I would be, you know, in Athens this summer. Would you like to play some gigs with me? And he's so generous always and so open and so into helping younger musicians. I was like, yeah, of course, let's do it. And we started playing together. And then, you know, little by little, I started bringing my original tunes and these arrangements and stuff of the Motown soul tunes that I do. And it's like, yeah, we should do that. You know, it's nice that we play them on some gigs, but you should do that as a record, you know? And yeah, I mean, the idea was to do it before COVID, then COVID started, you know, and got a little bit delayed and everything. But yeah, in the end, we managed to do it. And I'm really happy about it, to be honest. It was yeah. really a tough time, but we made it. Right. You were actually yeah. going to talk about uh, his new recording this week on the podcast. All right. What's new, though? Because during the quarantine, she recorded like four albums or something. <laughs> <laughs> wow. One of these got the uh, slide guitar on there, which makes it really oh, right. interesting. Yeah. The passing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, right. Right. yeah. That's amazing. That'd be That's interesting. Amazing. I will tell you yeah. something though. Don't tell that to anybody, right? Yeah. Well, so you're, gonna, you're guy, about to tell everybody now. You're tell everyone if you tell it to you. <laughs> okay. I, Maybe I should, should I tell you though? Uh, if, he has a he has a new album out with uh, the legendary British guitar player Jim Mallet yeah. that got mm. like released I think a couple of months ago. This one is called London Three. It's also an organ trio album. Oh, we'll have to look out for that yeah. one. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. We we have a lot of Orchid albums on this podcast. Yeah, we, we love Orchid. We <laughs> anyway, can't get yeah. enough of it. We do. We can't get enough of it, really. I really enjoyed the uh, drummer. Uh, what's it? Yanis uh, Papadoulos? Yes. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> he's, he's a really fun uh, drummer to watch. He, uh, he has <laughs> an interesting style. He really you know added a lot in, in terms of a, a drummer who knows how to really bring things up and uh, you know add some fire you know, when That's things for sure. are building yeah. up. Yeah. I mean, I really like how he plays in the way that he has like, yeah, as you said, his own style, which is like sometimes, you know, like we, let's say, try to, let's say, learn things from our heroes and stuff and from our influences. Mm -hmm. But I think for him, and that's why I admire him so much, he has his own style, which seems to be really natural, like really coming from him, you know, like right. doesn't mm -hmm. look like he practiced like this guy or that guy or whatever, it comes from him. It's like raw, like kind of a raw power, you know, which I really yeah. like life. You know, it's like, you know, I think it also totally matches with this music that yeah. we're playing on them. And he also looked, yeah. you know, rather than, you know, you see some drummers, they're like poised to attack, but he's sort of just, it looks like he just sat down for a, a good meal, but then he's so spot on <laughs> with right. everything. Uh, and he hits everything <laughs> accurately. Uh, I, it was really kind yeah. of Yeah, I mean, he's visual. great. He's great. Yeah. And he's literally like busy now on the on the Greek scene. It's like, basically, if you actually go to Greece, probably you'll find him somewhere oh. because he plays probably like, I don't know, seven days per week or something, you know? Right. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely go unless if we're ever allowed to travel again. <laughs> Get back to Athens. <laughs> have to check out some jazz uh, in the clubs. Yeah, right. that's for sure. Oh. Before we go on, I wanted to ask um, about, um, you'd mentioned that George Contraforce is a professor of the Hammond organ. Now, he's not playing a Hammond organ on this album. Is that right? It's a different kind of organ? Ah, okay, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. What's, what's up with this? It's a Nord. He plays like, 
Yeah, exactly. So that's the Nord, I think the C3 model, uh-huh. which is like a, a you clone, know, like a right? digital version of exactly mm-hmm. a clone. And so basically he has also like, you know, the real Hammond and basically he has everything. He has like a real Fender Rose of home. He has all that stuff. Right. And Leslie and all, all the equipment. So basically through the years, also before he was, you know, carrying everything, right. but you know, all this is super difficult. And sometimes it's also difficult in terms of, uh, you know, like you go to a gig and something might stop working because of things analog and, you know, some tube will go down or whatever. So sometimes we've had this thing that, you know, he would bring the Leslie, but then somehow the Leslie will not work with, because of the cable or something. And and this always was causing, let's say some problems in a way. I mean, it was nice because it's other experience to you know have the actual leslie and all that stuff yeah and through the years he was like okay i will you know switch to the nord which actually i think it's really like the sound is almost like you're feeling the you're listening the real thing i don't think you can hear any difference it makes like much more i didn't notice (laughs) russ had to point it out to me (laughs) the the tone quality is good but as you say I mean, a Hammond is not, it's not the most portable of instruments. You know? so, yeah, not for, that's for sure, you know. Hmm. And, you know, like, I think now it's kind of a trend. I don't know if it has to do with, you know, how we live these days or anything. But, you know, like, I see, like, Jody Francesco and these, like, you know, organ legends. They don't really play on gigs, at least, with the real Hammonds anymore. Right. So much, you know. I think that has to do with portability and with, yeah, being always secure that no matter what, it will work on the gig. Yeah. It's really important if you're, especially if you're touring or you're like playing a lot of gigs and stuff, you need something that you know that you can trust. And that's also with guitar and guitar amplifiers. I think, you know, it's great to have a tube amp, but actually, yeah, I was like always a tube amp guy in my life, you know, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) like the last tube amp that I had, basically broke on a gig, like got burned <laughs> yeah. actually on a gig. And from this time I was like, okay, two bombs, I don't really have them for me anymore, you know? Yeah, like, right. <laughs> the reliability, yeah. Oh boy. Sure. Yeah, the reliability is really <laughs> yeah. important. If you if you, if you you want to do it, like, because otherwise what are you going to do? Carry two organs? Yeah. Or carry like two two bombs? That's not possible, you know? No, no. Well, let's talk mm. about um, the album. I'd be interested to get a little uh, information on the inspiration of the songs. So yeah. uh, it's, you started out with, uh, I, first of all, I really like the mix of, um, it's sort of like the, the perfect recipe, I think. You've got your originals, you've got some uh, covers of, uh, you know, other originals by jazz musicians, which is, I think is always important because uh, it, so many tunes are neglected. There's a lot of great originals and then, you know, they pass on through history and uh, people don't record them enough. And uh, you've got a, a couple surprises in there, too. And uh, I think uh, just one standard standard on here. Um, so I was intrigued by the mixture of material you yeah. put together. Um, but the first one was kind of fun, the uh, Flicks Bus <laughs> Blues. Is there a story that goes with that tune? I imagine there was. And what is a Flicks yeah, Bus? Yeah. It's yeah. a German if bus company. Tell me. So, That's a German bus company? Exactly. So it's like right. a German bus company. So they have like these routes that basically connect like Central and Northern Europe. So mm-hmm. if you want to go from the Netherlands to Germany or stuff like that. So yeah, the story is like 
in my last year in, in the Netherlands, I was like in a long distance relationship with my girlfriend. And through weekends, <laughs> okay. I had to use this Flixbus to go from yeah the Netherlands to Germany, Berlin, that she was already here. And, you know, like, basically the problem was with Flixbus, or like, okay, I mean, I shouldn't say that, but sometimes there were like some negative experiences there. <laughs> I could imagine. So like, yeah. yeah. Now, you know, sometimes there's like things like, you know, you're like super tired and stuff because you had to be in the bus for all these hours and stuff. But sometimes, you know, there were some behaviors or some like organizational stuff or some kind of more, yeah, let's say things that have to do with, you know, who is, let's say, entering the bus. Sure. And yeah, yeah this kind of thing, I was like, oh man, okay, I should write something about that. It has to do with my experiences there. <laughs> So that's mm. a Flixbus blues. Yeah. It's a good inspiration for a blues too. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cool. I'm yeah, going to have to listen exactly. to this again now. That's right. Think yeah. about that. Yeah. And then um, you've got one of these um, covers of uh, another jazz uh, musician, the uh, McCoy Tyner's uh, Man from Tanganyika. Uh, I thought that was a cool choice. Uh, it's a really groovy tune for organ. Uh, how did you choose yeah, that Yeah, that's one? great. Yeah. So basically that's like, all of these tunes were like tunes that we played on gigs and stuff. And mm -hmm. we like kind of said what works and what doesn't work and what we like to play. So basically this one was one, you know, like George, the organ player, or as we call him, Furis. That's like his nickname. Furis. He has like his, you know, his, his book with like okay. the vague tunes that nobody really plays so much and right. stuff. But because, you know, he's like a guru of like... <laughs> He's like a <laughs> library of music, you know. He, right, if you go to right. his house, you will see like so many records and CDs and stuff. Basically, right. I don't know, he has like a thousand vinyls. Mm. And he was like, hey, mm. you know, I have this tune, like, maybe you like it, maybe you can try it out and stuff. And that's how we started playing it and became like a little bit of like, in a way, original because we put some vamps and stuff inside and we made it our own, brought it in our own like style. Yeah, and that's the story of this one. It became kind of like an original tune, although it's not, you know, because we're always playing it on gigs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, the arrangement's really cool. And then I thought, I, I have this, I think I have this McCoy Tyner album, but I've never heard anybody else record it. So I thought, oh, that's cool. A real cool yeah. cho choice, you know, a little obscure, uh, done in an original yeah, way. Yeah, I really like, you know, I also feel like when we play gigs and stuff, it's nice to have some tunes that are not so... There's, yeah, as you said before, there should be some kind of balance. Some tunes that are not so, let's say, played, mm. and some tunes that are actually everybody kind of loves. So in order to, you know, like when you go home, you're like, oh, this tune I didn't know. Maybe I should check it out or something. Yeah. You know? Like bring yeah. some homework home, you know. Right. <laughs> hmm. But now I see. I can. You mentioned that he he like suggested this tune. It's got this very groovy organ intro to it, and so yeah. I can see that. You know, it's something he likes, and so it's a yeah. good vehicle for He's that. He's also like a huge uh, McCoy Diner fan. Okay. Like, hugely. Also on the piano, when you hear him playing the piano, you can kind of hear that the influence for sure. Right. And the next tune, uh, another one of your originals, uh, Safe Place. And um, I call this, um, I describe this like a uh, the cruising groove. <laughs> There's this kind of organ <laughs> yeah, trio right. kind of thing. And it just gets that kind of, you imagine the top down and driving along by the ocean kind of feel. That's exactly the idea behind it. That's right. right. Oh, wow. and, um, so, so, so what would the safe place be? Yeah. Yeah. So like I, 
So basically, I was teaching a student of mine, and I was uh, this riff that is in the beginning. This was kind of happened during the lesson. Like I was trying to explain to her how she can use some like triads and stuff. And yeah, I came up with this riff. I was like, oh, that sounds good. And then I realized that I would like to have a tune that feels like chill and lovely, you know, kind of, you know, makes you calm a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because also that was during lockdown and stuff, during COVID right. times. And mm. then I realized, yeah, this brings you like this kind of, you know, sense of safe. It's like this could be your safe place when you feel really stressed and during, you know, the quarantine and stuff we felt always really you know had so many emotions and so many anxieties for the future and yeah i mean for me who i live abroad like you guys you mm -hmm. like didn't know about what will happen with your families back home or whatever yeah. you always had this stress i like yeah i need something that actually distresses that and mm -hmm. that's the idea of the safe place song right. and the album i think you know yeah it's nice it's a nice sentiment it's a happy tune yeah. what i like on this yeah. one um you do um in your solo, you get a little bit more chordy with like a chord solo kind of thing. And yeah. uh, then it gets kind of funky strumming at the end. And I like, you know, I like to hear like a chord solo kind of thing sometimes. And it sort of fits the atmosphere of this tune a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. I like that too, you know. I feel like many times with jazz guitar today, we miss these elements of more rhythm and more like, you know, yeah, kind of funk uh, but not really like fun in that sense, more like playing something that's more rhythmical, you know? Right. We're more like into the open stuff, which is of course great. But for me, it's also like, I really like this kind of more, you know, pocket idea. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It fits this tune perfectly, yeah. And then um, I, I was really happy to hear this one because I would never <laughs> expected it, but- We, uh, we both kind of- Yeah, because um, this is a great this album. <laughs> you know, this album uh, never gets yeah. old. You can listen to it uh, today and it, you could think it was not, you know, recorded last year or something. You know, I'm talking about Donny Hathaway's uh, live album from uh, whatever it's 71 yeah. or something. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. yeah, little ghetto boy. Uh, how did you pick this too? <laughs> I haven't heard a jazz version. I think of this. actually, it's great. Uh, yeah. So this is so again, it's like a long story. So during Christmas of 2000, I think 20, I would, would be like I think the yeah. first, the first Christmas of quarantine and stuff that I couldn't go to like meet my family mm -hmm. and stuff during Christmas. Yeah. So I was listening like a lot of Christmas movie, like music and stuff with my girlfriend. And one of the songs was like, you know, this Danny Hathaway, this Christmas, this like this tune, right? Right. And then I started investigating more the like discography of Danny Hathaway and his style and his life. And yeah, I figured out this live album is like really great. And that was like on repeat for many weeks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, man, that's so great. Like I have to do something with it, you know, like pick something from there because it's so great and do it. And yeah, I picked the little ghetto boy because also I really like the the meaning behind it, you know, the words and stuff. Mm. And right. to many friends and stuff that I talk about Danny Hathaway in Europe and in Greece, were like, who's this guy, you know? <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, oh yeah. So maybe this, you should check that out. I, like you should take his whole discography and the words of his yeah. tunes and what he's talking about. And for me, that was really like why I picked this song. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Little Ghetto Boy. Still the same story after so many years. 
And you have a really interesting solo on this one. You you get stuck on this one riff, and uh, you know <laughs> yeah. I, I really That's like it. that a lot because you know you used to hear that more in jazz. Um, people using repetition for building up tension, but yeah, you know, yeah people have right. gotten away from that a bit. But I really like that once in a while when it stands out. And I thought, oh, that if I thought of that riff, I would want to keep it going too. And, uh, yeah, I really <laughs> yeah, that. like that. Yeah. You know, that comes from my influence of Grand Green and Pat Martino. They do that stuff, especially Pat Martino is doing this kind of you know idea a lot. So yeah, I'm like, why not? You know, like yeah. It's kind of an homage to these heroes, you know? Yeah, yeah. That fit that tune perfectly. And um, the next track, another one of your originals, uh, Brianna. This sounds like a female right. name association. There must be a story with this one too. Yeah, so basically this one is, I wrote this one like after uh, learning and yeah, investigating the the story of Brianna Taylor. Okay. That, oh, uh, you oh. know, yeah. That's a surprise. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So I was really shocked about that, you know, this whole story. I was like, okay. And again, it was like also during quarantine and basically during this time that the Black Lives, Ma Black Lives Matter movement, you know, mm. was also really strong also here in Berlin and stuff. It was protest protesting and everything. And basically, yeah, I was really like shocked with this story. And I was like, yeah, maybe I can write something about that and in a way that people might actually get to you know listen more of and learn more about this situation mm -hmm. and what's going on you know because especially like in Greece nobody really knows that stuff you know mm -hmm. and unfortunately we have similar situations when we don't really understand that you know things like that are always bad and no matter where you're from or you know, who you are, it will get you in the end, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah. at least you should be aware. That's the story of Brianna. And this one, is this, you get like a kind of samba feel to it uh, too. So it's uh, a change up. Yeah, a it's something like Latin. a, yeah, it's something like a fast bossa nova, hugaloo yeah. kind of a, something right. between their idea. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, where uh, Dimitris Tsakas joins on sax too, That's right? right. That's so it's right, another yeah. element to the album. That's, that's true, uh, yeah. Nice having sax. I really, yeah, I really like how he plays on this track, and I really believe she's also really great. He, yeah, he's also like a really important member of the Greek scene. Right. And I'm really happy that he played on my album because, yeah, we haven't really played so much together. It's not mm -hmm. like we're like playing gigs and stuff so much, but he was really happy to record some tunes, and I think it also creates something new on the album and who knows maybe the next one will be with him as a member on all tunes you know yeah he was, <laughs> uh, he's got a real uplifting kind of character uh to his play yeah uh and uh, well what i liked about this tune i really like the chord changes on this tune you know, when you hear original tune and then you're trying to like figure out and listening to where it goes uh, this one kept me kind of surprised like in the directions that the chord changes go through in it so i thought it had a, a real fresh sound and then i imagine you know he probably came in and only saw the tune a couple times and then blew through it and so the the combination of your kind of interesting chord changes and then his improvisations on that i found that really interesting to listen to yeah i think it's yeah I guess I was lucky with this one, you know? Yeah. No, it's a good <laughs> one. Like yeah. yeah. 
And then um, then we switch back. Uh, Curtis Mayfield, yeah. uh, Freddie's dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was this is All a right, cool choice, yeah, yeah. Um, because this yeah. has got that killer groove to it, right? Yeah, I, I really like this riff. You know, this It's like you know, this is like you know, I can just listen to that all day and I'll be happy. You know, like yeah, that's that's the thing. You know, I really also. I was influenced from these albums that you know Dave Stryker has like uh, he has these albums that are called the eight track hmm. and they're like eight track one eight track two eight track eight track three and he has also one that's called eight track Christmas <laughs> so if you're aware of that he's playing in an organ trio situation right. but also with some tunes with saxophone and some tunes with vibraphone basically organ trio with vibraphone is an amazing combination. Like also done with Grand Green and Bobby Hazardson, and you know this this uh, era. Yeah. But yeah, he has his albums, and Dave was also one of my teachers in Groningen, like in the Netherlands. He was coming as a visiting teacher, and basically I learned so much from him, and I'm always forever grateful, you know. And yeah, he has his albums where he plays, yeah, as he calls them, the the tunes of the eight track. That was the idea, you know, like that he grew up <laughs> and he yeah. has actually this on a track one this tune that's called from curtis mayfield that is like pusherman superfly mm-hmm. and i'm like oh that's cool you know and then i started like oh maybe i can try to do something like that and i found fred is there that's like this riff is amazing so like okay let's do this one you know how can i fix it i had some other chords on the bridge and stuff and yeah i think it worked in the end yeah, this one it gets got that uh, gospely kind of organ uh, yeah. thing going on, and this where really, I noticed uh, Papadopoulos drumming is great on this one because he gets the yeah, it really brings another vibe. Like it's a, it's really cool how, what he did there. It's like he gets it's... that clicky thing going um, in the beginning, but then the, you know the groove changes up to that ride feel with the accented mm. cymbals and that switch, and then it carries over like in your solo. And so whenever you have the solo section that alternates between the two grooves, I feel yeah, like it really right. it really feeds the solo into pushing into the next section. And you really bring that out. I, I thought this is one of your more intense solos on the record going between those two grooves uh, that come on this tune. It was really yeah, exciting. I mean, I was really also like, you know, this tune is one of my favorites actually that is on the album. And... I was really happy with it. I think we just did that with one take or something. It's like, okay. it kind of came, you know, like boom, natural kind of, uh, which is, right. you know, the feel was there. Nice. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That, that yeah. one really just grooves. Yeah. And I, I mean, the, yeah, the organ is great on it too. I, I like the gospel feel, but he gets those kind of uh, hits, you know, the little percussive backing yeah. that keeps the groove going. And it's like, oh yeah, this is, uh, this is really good. Yeah. It was a highlight for me too. I really liked yeah. this one. It's a good and interesting interpretation. Yeah. Then you've got the one, uh, the one standard, hmm. you know, jazz standard, uh, Loverman, and uh, well, here you have kind of a extended uh, guitar intro to that that makes it kind of unique. Yeah. So the idea of this one is like, so we're gonna also release in a vinyl, so a vinyl of the album, right? Oh, okay. Not only CD. Right. Hmm. Yeah. So the plan was that the vinyl would be ready around September. But as they informed me like a couple of days ago, the vinyl will be probably ready during Christmas or this time, <laughs> unfortunately. Right. There's like really a huge waiting time now with vinyls. Uh. 
unfortunately that has to do also i think with the war and everything that's going on it's, right yeah anyway yeah. so yeah the idea was like we wouldn't put loverman on the vinyl because it didn't fit like time wise because on the vinyl you have to have like uh, 40 minutes or something right and we recorded it kind of like yeah let's have it and see what happens because it was also one of the ballads that i really love and we played also on gigs and mm -hmm. yeah it's like you know it was it was yeah the, the first i think uh, version is from billy holiday which i like really love mm -hmm. i like really love all the vocal jazz tradition and all the you know great jazz singers sarah mm -hmm. bond billy holiday you know all this it's like yeah. a, for me it's amazing you know mm -hmm. anyway and we did that you know just also i think it was really one take or something like okay just have it and then we said okay maybe we can just use it on the cd because it's also something different from the vibe that's before it kind of brings down all the energy and kind of washes away you know everything that happened before yeah. right and this is um another place where like in the intro you you get to mix the runs and the chords uh together yeah. and uh sort of outline the whole melody you know before it gets going in i, I really like that i think it's also important guitar wise like to in a way as a guitar player to be able to perform like let's say solo guitar you know like by yourself right. create everything it's kind of like also a tradition of the guitar that little by little is getting you know more and more out of the window you know right. but it's something that all the great guitar players could do if you just give them one guitar they could just play gig for an hour yeah by themselves yeah i've yeah. uh do you know the guitarist Jimmy Ponder? Yeah. Yeah. And sure. I have a couple of his, uh, he's not, not a major name. I think only guitar players know him, but, uh, have a few recordings Probably, of yeah. gigs of just him by himself, you know, for like an hour. And then just, it's yeah. really amazing to listen to thinking about. Uh, and all it's the also parts. A, yeah. a really important kind of, you know, it's not that easy as in the piano, you know, like in the piano, you have the chord on this hand, the melody on the yeah. other hand. Okay. It's easier, but. The guitar, it's like a practice itself. It's an art form itself, yeah, you know? Yeah, to do all the... I believe. The different things yeah. at once. Uh, or like, uh, of course, the master of that is Martin Taylor, right? He does the, the bass line and the melody and the chords. And I, whenever I watch his videos, he tries to explain it, and I just get more angry. <laughs> it's like, you know, how can you do all those three parts at once? Uh, yeah, it's nice For to see. For me, right now... Pasquale Grasso is doing oh, yeah. that really amazing. Yeah, yeah we yeah. talked about like, it a lot too. Yeah. It's like, you know, I actually have bought his like uh, masterclass videos and stuff and tried to figure out some stuff by myself. You know, it's a work in progress. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully one day. Yeah, he's just got a new one out. Uh, Bebop uh, is the title. I think it came out last That's week right. or something. Yeah. So, wow. And I also love his playing with uh, Samara Joy, like this album of Samara Joy, of, and he plays the yeah. guitar there. Right, it's one of our I favorite really albums of last year. Really. Yeah, we picked that yeah, as one of the best from last year. Yeah, that was yeah. great. I think it is. Yeah. I really like was listening that like every day, probably. Yeah. You know, it's really great. Yeah, what a voice! That yeah. pure young voice. It's uh, you know, kind of uh, makes you just sit yeah, up and notice. Uh, you know, sometimes you you actually with that stuff. I believe that you know there is actually something from god or something you know right. i think with her yeah her, her like uh, voice is like from somewhere else you know it's 
it's a gift. Yeah, that's for sure. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, we can yeah. you can buy an instrument and learn to play it, but so much of your voice is what's, you know, born and given into you, so. Right. That's right. And also, as far as I understand, it's like the tradition and where she's like, you know, she grew up and the influences that she has since she was a kid, you know? Because that's really important, like the influence you have yep. when you're a kid. Yeah. It basically creates your whole life in a way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what mm -hmm. goes in stays in there and comes out later, for sure. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, I want to know about this next track, uh, Lockdown, which was uh, <laughs> obviously <laughs> written recently. Yeah. <laughs> within yeah, the last also, year. Yeah, also during the lockdown, yeah. Yeah, it kind of, this, this one has kind of a restless groove to it. I was really interested to hear that. I'm wondering what we, what your sort of inspiration was for this one. You know, obviously, you're locked down, but what was going on? Yeah, I mean, that was also during the lockdown and Basically, you know, as as I said before, all of these tunes, or most of them, have some kind of story that was created during the lockdown, right. and basically that's where I wrote most of those. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the lockdown tune has this kind of frustration. Yeah, I can hear that. <laughs> let's say anxiety, not knowing what's gonna happen, idea going on. Like, you know, I wrote that. Like, you know, especially here in Germany, at some point with vaccinations and stuff was really crazy. Like, you couldn't find the, like a, an appointment to do your vaccination and everything was crazy. And people were like, you know, even, I don't know, sell, uh, selling appointments on the black market or stuff like right. that. And this whole, like, wow, are we doing that now? Like, we're in 2021 and we have to do that stuff. And yeah, this whole frustration came, yeah, came out as this tune, lockdown. That's why it's right. also fast and kind of nervous and kind of, you know, yeah. pushing it in a way. Yeah. You know, we in Japan were watching all this. We we were never locked down here. We we were always sort of wow. free to go out. So I guess it was, we just kind of landed in the right place during all of this. Yeah. 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 So wow, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, this one, um, I that kind of tension works because it gets a real kind of post-bop anxiety yeah. to it. And this one has that um, kind of changing, kind of syncopated and then swing kind of alternating feel that kind of builds up that tension. And uh, really nice drumming on this one, too, I thought. Your solo on this one's kind of got a dual personality, too. It's got like kind of fast accented chords and then um, more fluid kind of things in it, too. So, so there's like yeah. a duality to this song in a lot of different ways that makes it interesting. Yeah, I think this one's kind of like... Um you know, portrays my influences from Pat Martino and from Dave Stryker, of course. But also this more like chord stuff from Wes. And also I really like Ed Cherry that he does this kind of chord, yeah. chord solo, chord melody, you know, ideas. Yeah. Yeah, something like I think kind of brings out all of them in a now way. Now that you mentioned, I can see a lot of the Pat Martino approach in his original tunes in in this one and in the playing too and and we get a drum solo here too and it's kind of like he's been yeah. saving up yeah. for this there's a lot of energy released here <laughs> that was true. good yeah. that's true I like that's that that's true yeah that's true yeah and also Dimitris plays also amazingly here yeah yeah he's like you know blink you know kind of like this post-bop sound you mm -hmm. know yeah, it's an intense tune. This is this is a really good one, and I like. Yeah. Um, there's certain parts in it where the um, the bass is important, and um, it's got that real walking kind of bass feel, which is hard to get yeah. authentic, you know, on an organ bass. But it comes through 
with that kind of same bite that uh, acoustic bass would have. Yeah, that's actually, you know, one of the most difficult things when you play organ is have this uh, working bass happen. Yeah. And mm. actually that's like a different study by itself. Like some, actually, I think Dr. Lonnie Smith was also playing bass, you know, mm. and some people actually study, you know, like some organ players actually study bass lines from great bass players in order to be able to do that, you know? Right. Of course, it's like not the same as an acoustic bass, mm -hmm. but you have to really understand how a bass player thinks in order to do that. Yeah. And that's usually the most difficult thing because there are people who play piano and they're like, okay, yeah, I can play some organ. And then if you want to play something like that, that's it, you know, they cannot follow yeah. because they haven't practiced this idea. Mm. And, and usually, if someone is, you know, kind of auditioning to be an organ player, that's the thing it's really asked right. to do. Like if you can actually walk the bass, you know? Yeah. Because bass players mm. think differently than other musicians do. They see things from that bottom pivot and that's why they write songs differently too. And mm. then I think if you yeah. ask, if you ask other musicians to play a bass line, we can't do it the same way that a, a bass player naturally thinks from, you know, being on the, it's kind of like a catfish that lives on the bottom all the time, right? They just see <laughs> things so. differently. Yeah. Yeah. I believe basically the bass, the bassist is like the most important like element of a band. You know, mm. if you have a good bass player, probably you have a good band. Yeah. It's kind of like also some people think that the drummer is a timekeeper or something. I think basically that's why the, the bass player is a timekeeper, but he's also the harmony keeper. Yeah. So it's like the most difficult job, you know, yeah. it's like playing football, like soccer, you know, if you don't have a goalkeeper, then no matter what the, the people in front do, yeah. you will always lose, you know, mm -hmm. it's really, I really admire like how some, like, you know, think of Ron Carter and these legends. It's like, you know, Miles, the Miles band without Ron Carter wouldn't be the same, like yeah. big time. Yeah. Right. I'm a huge fan of like really good bass players. Yeah, I think in Ron Carter's space, jazz wouldn't be the same if we didn't have him. He's He's been on so yeah. many albums. He, yeah. he really shaped a lot of the sound that we hear. That's for sure, yeah. Yeah, well, you got, lucky you got such a great um, organist. I mean, he's he's very convincing through the whole album with the bass. You know, I, I was admiring, you know, yeah. when I, when I sure. think to notice, I say, oh, yeah, that's, um, you know, that's what a bass would be doing. Yeah. And then we end up with um, another one of your original, Time's Up. This one is um, kind of like a waltzing feel tune, right? Mm -hmm. But um, it's got that kind of, um, the opening riff kind of gets you in a little trance kind of feel uh, for this one. <laughs> yeah, I like yeah. that one. Yeah, the story of this one is more like, um, so, you know, many times when I was visiting like friends and family and stuff in Greece or, you know, when I had to spend some specific amount of time in a place mm -hmm. and then I had to leave, and you always have this kind of feeling of, oh man, when we're gonna be together again and when we're gonna like spend time together again. But, and you always go and you're like, okay, I'm gonna stay five days, mm -hmm. but always these five days are like too little in the end, you know? Right. So it's like time's up, you know? No matter what you do, you know, time, time will be up, you know, you have to go <laughs> in the end, you know? Yeah. That's the idea of this one. That has, that's why it has this, kind of melancholy kind of chord in the end kind of this kind of open what's going to happen yeah idea you know it's got that kind of mm. chord that hangs 
I listened yeah. that, and it really builds that tension. Like it can't move on from that, and then it, when it does, you know, it it just sort of creates a kind of a harmonic hurdle in the middle that uh, you have to get over or exactly. get through. Yeah. yeah, that's the idea. Interesting. Yeah, and it was nice to have kind of a waltzing tune in there. Yeah, so it's a really uh, interesting collection of uh, tunes. I thought it takes you in a lot of different directions, uh, back in time, into the current time. It's a nice little kind of musical program yeah i believe you know it's like as i told you before most of these tunes we we're playing them on concerts and stuff and they're like let's say tested but i really believe that it's important for like let's say jazz musicians and musicians in general to kind of talk about what's going on socially mm -hmm. in our lives too you know because i think the last let's say i don't know some years Jazz is kind of uh, getting this more kind of academic idea. Yeah. Right. That, you know, it's kind of some kind of music and we don't talk really about anything. We just play our notes and that's it. And we're like highly, let's say, you know, our technique is great and everything. And we play different difficult chords and different difficult time signatures, which is great. But, you know, I think as an artist, in the end of the day, you have to have a message, you know? Right. And all the artists that I love, and we all love, like, you name it, you know, Billie Holiday, you know, like Strange Fruit and all that stuff. I also recently watched the, this movie, like uh, Billie Holiday versus the United States. Hmm. It's like really great. But yeah, if you think about it, also Danny Hathaway, these teams, Nina Simone, hmm. you know, Abbey Lincoln with uh, Max Roach, all that stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I think we should talk about what's going on in our society. Yeah. Like, even if we play jazz, I think jazz is actually a music that always had to do with that stuff, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, okay, I'm not, like, from the States, or I'm not living in the 50s or the 60s, but unfortunately, a lot of really bad things are happening now, too. And not only in the States, but also all over the world. Yeah. If we don't talk about that, and we don't have, like, some kind of social awareness, why are we artists in the end, you know? Mm. Yeah, and at the same time, like you're saying, there's sort of a, in jazz, there's a technical pressure, you know, like you say, like now odd time signatures or something. It's sort of like, I, I feel like probably there's some pressure for players like, oh, we should, we got to make this, make let's make something that's kind of difficult here or, you know, something that's uh, new, but if you lose that connection of that direct feeling, you know, that visceral thing where the emotion grabs people uh, into the tune, exactly. it becomes an mm -hmm. academic exercise. And then, you know, you listen to it once and you say, well, yeah, I guess that was, you know, interesting or impressive. But if it doesn't grab you, you know, somewhere deeper, you're not going to go back and listen to it again because the, the emotional... Yeah. The, where you touch those sort of emotional points and make people feel things. That's what makes people listen again. And, you know, so I, I think you did a really good job of providing uh, a lot of different uh, emotional feels, uh, moods. And, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Thank you very much, actually, because that was really my goal. Thank you very much yeah. for saying that because I like seriously, the number one thing for me is like to actually create some kind of connection to the one who listens to the music, you know? Right. Because really, this thing really kind of stresses me out with this kind of, you know, academic idea of music, not only jazz, but in general, like 
music is for me it's like an art that always you know especially like if you think you know like uh, the mediterranean people like greek people spanish people and stuff you know everybody will just sit together on a table have a dinner play some music you know play buzuki whatever play fados in portugal mm. <laughs> it's something that's social you right. know and especially jazz music it's a social music like taking it out of the social core and bringing it to like a more highly academic level which is great of course but who are you who's your target audience or who what what is your message again i think that's the most important what is your message right like yeah i certainly hope yeah I certainly hope jazz is going to stay that way and um your record certainly caught our Me attention, too. so I'm yeah. quite quite happy. I'm now going to have to go back and listen to it again right now yeah. to, to keep these things in mind. Yeah. You have the CD, so you can do that. I right? will do that, yeah. <laughs> Thanks again for that. So, Yoko. No, thank you. My next question uh, then, you know, you got this great organ trio recording out. So what's next? I mean, do you, what do you see yourself doing after this? Do you want to do some more like uh, organ trio things or are there some different sort of uh, formations, uh, groups, or types of things that you, you have in mind that you want to uh, move on to next? Uh, so personally, I would like to, you know, investigate more a little bit the organ trio sound, maybe add some horns and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I believe like, you know, in a way in my mind, this is kind of like the sound I like and I really want to, you know, like that I can express myself as as better as, as as good as possible and i would like to i really like the combination of you know guitar and bass without any drums and i would like to try to do something there where is, there is no drums and but you know the tunes are not really let's say only standard or something so i'm trying to figure out what's what can happen there and still continue the organ trio maybe develop it more add horns put some new tunes in mm. You know, it's always a process. Nobody knows. Sometimes you plan things, but life has another, you know, idea. Right. So you have to keep going. You know, keep keep going. Right. Yeah. Okay. We're well, looking forward to uh, finding out what the <laughs> what the next thing is going to be. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Let's see. You know? <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot for for talking to us today. This was a real pleasure to uh, to meet you. Uh, thank you very much, and thank you for you know keeping the music alive because it's really important to have people who you know try to discover new stuff and actually spend their time and energy and everything in order to support uh, like uh, people like me who are not famous but also like more famous people. It's important to share the music. I think that's like that. That's the most important thing: share the music with people we love. Yeah, that's what we hope to do. Get um, newer artists, international artists from all over. If the music's good, uh, we want to hear it and we want to share it, make it easy for uh, everyone to find. So uh, be sure to check this recording out, everyone, if you haven't yet. Safe Place, the Yako Organ Trio. We'll put the links uh, down to where you can get the CD if you like. What's the label? So the label is a Berlin-based label that's called QFTF. QFTF, okay. There yeah. you go. That's right. So do that. We'll put the streaming links uh, down if you want to check it out, if you haven't heard it yet as well. But uh, we recommend you just go out and uh, order this CD because uh, you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, it's got great photos. It's just good to have that CD in your hand, putting the whole ritual, putting it in the machine, hearing this yeah. great sound. <laughs> we were just talking about this earlier. Yeah. And just wait for the vinyl. It's coming soon. Vinyl's coming soon too. Like, okay, keep that in mind. Yeah, so uh, thanks again. 
Yako, for uh, joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything. Uh, our pleasure. And check out these links and uh, we'll have it up with the episode so you can uh, access we'll have it up this week yeah. these weeks all right so this has been an interview for Yakovos Simonidis new safe place and uh, we'll see you again next week for another new episode